In the hopes of becoming America's next top justice, Judge Amy Coney Barrett resorted to one of the magic incantations that gets you places in the world of our so-called elites. The judge, she explained, told her daughters that anything boys could do, girls could do better. It's a mantra, she says, that her father used to coach her to victory. Well, it's a remarkable concession to elite fantasy coming from a religious conservative, but the really sad thing is it's obsolete. Like many today, Justice Barrett didn't get the memo from Regime HQ. These days, anything girls can do, Borgs can do better. From robo-wombs to fleshlights to the biotech that can turn an old man, we are told, into a brand new yes queen. The given human woman holds a special place in the Borg's fear and loathing-filled heart, from the mother of God to the girl next door. And for women more interested in tending the fertile gardens of artistry than climbing the corporate lizard ladder, the Borg has posed an often existential threat forcing all art online to reduce toward creative content, and all creative content to reduce toward sex work. I mean, fan service. Qui bono, as the Romans asked, to ferret out suspects of a crime? Who benefits? Not women, not art or entertainment, certainly not America. Millions of us look wistfully back on the 1990s, even the 2000s, hoping against hope that girls can be girls again, and fun can still be fun. We're way past merely boomer nostalgia. This is a cross-generational cri de cour for the thrill of normalcy. Who can take us there? Who are the stars of tomorrow? How soul-deep can good entertainment go? Chandler Juliet is here, and she has the receipts. I'm James Polis. This is Zero Hour. Chandler Juliet is one of the hottest rising personalities on the new LA comedy scene. Don't take it from me, peep the gram. She writes, directs, produces, and stars in sketches on and off her personal social media pages that routinely command up to and including 15 million views a pop. Chandler has played opposite the internet's leading comedy influencers, including the likes of J.P. Sears, Nikki Howard, and Brent Pella. Currently at the Babylon Bee, she's most famous as Timpani in the Californian's Move to Texas series that recently wraps its first season to massive acclaim. Prior to the COVID pandemic's destruction of the Los Angeles music industry, Chandler was a regular performer at Velvet Rope clubs like Hollywood's Black Rabbit Rose. Her hit single, Love Language, has over one and a half million streams on Spotify. Chandler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What How an intro. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let's let's catch the people up. Okay. So let's do it. so you did not come out of the womb doing comedy. You have like a whole <laughs> backstory. Um, how did you get from one place to the next, from, from being on stage, from auditioning for American Idol, uh, hitting a million on Spotify, to, uh, to making people laugh on the internet? Wow, that's a loaded question. I will do my best to catch the people up as you, uh, you asked me to. Well, I was raised in a musical family, and I'd like to think that I was always a little comedian. In hindsight, I loved making people laugh and was often the class clown. Um, How'd that work out for you? Did you catch flack from teachers? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, what was your best line in um, class? Okay, oh my goodness. Well, I did have a time where I, uh, we, in fifth grade, we had a class field trip to the Science Center, and outside of the Science Center, there were a bunch of 
um, Mexican ladies selling little trinkets like those light up bracelets and whatnot and the throwing best. things in the air and saying, oh, one dollar, one dollar. And I, we were reviewing how the, how the class trip went and, uh, our teacher, who was in her last year before retirement, might I add, uh, <laughs> said, how did it go? What did you guys see? What was your favorite part of the trip? And one another student said, oh, yeah, there are a bunch of Mexicans la ladies selling trinkets outside of the science center. And I just shouted, yeah, they were like, one dollar, one dollar. And everyone burst into laughter. And I was like, all proud of myself because making a whole room of people laugh after you take a risk and throw a joke out there is the best feeling in the world. And uh, my old curmudgeon of a teacher just stared me down and said, that's racist. And I like Ooh. shrunk into my chair and was like, oh no, what? And then I got flack for it from my friends and colleagues for the rest of the year. So racist Chandler, so racist. And they were joking, but it's like, man, what what a weird thing. Where is she now? Is she like watching your content? I wonder. Okay, so this I, is I this, you, you, were, you were prepared. Even... You had a sort of prehistory. You were prepared for comedy. <sighs> Uh, but that's not what happened. You started out uh, doing the music at the musical background, and yes. uh, and that must have been like uh, like a lot of fun, right? Uh, yeah, at first it was. I didn't really know what I wanted to do once I graduated from college, but I knew I wanted a, a career in entertainment, and I'd done the acting thing. I'd done a few commercials and things like that, but music was just kind of gaining more traction. It was something I could control, uh, which I liked a lot better, and I started releasing my music online on Spotify and all the all the platforms all the streaming platforms and performing in venues in Hollywood and I had a really good time with it I started to really find my um, my crowd in the songwriter scene and and you know I was hearing from all like I'm seeing you everywhere I'm just like yeah you know and it's it's twofold it's like within the scene in Hollywood and on online on Instagram and uh, I guess somewhere along the way, probably during the pandemic, things stopped being so fun and it started to be more about activism versus good songwriting and just good merit. What do you know? <laughs> I, I, I want to jump into that in a sec. It says, okay. on, it says American Idol on here. Is that, do we, do we talk about that? <laughs> we don't talk about that. We don't that. talk about that. No, did, it's nothing. Did, did they break your spirit on national yes. television? Yes, they did. But I don't think it ever made it on national television. Wow. It's kind of funny because I did a little vlog about it where I mentioned that I, I did it. But um, yeah, I didn't even make it on. I didn't even make the cut on TV, which was really weird. I got approached by these producers at my show in Hollywood. Like I was selling out these industry showcases where the labels would come and then not sign me afterwards. And uh, I think the one that I had sold out, there were 500 people there. These uh, two young producers came out to me after the show. We love you. We want you on our show. It's like, what show? American Idol. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do that. They're like, we'll make it like an awesome experience for you. We'll make sure you get in front of the judges. We'll do whatever we can. And they did. They like guided me through the process. They listened to my songs. They told me, pick this one. It's more upbeat. Don't do this one. And then I auditioned for Katy Perry, uh, Lionel Richie, and um, what's the country guy's name? I can't even remember uh, his name. Blake, was, Blake Shelton? No, that's the voice. That was, this, that it was, was voice, Luke right? Bryant. Bryant, yes. And he was the nicest one. It was such a weird experience. It was like, it, 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 you know, I got there at five in the morning and then I didn't audition until 8 p.m. at night. And then they, a little redundant there. And then they didn't, you know, feed anyone. They didn't, they didn't care. It was just like a big cattle call and then by the time I got in you know it was a negative experience Katy Perry was was it the real Katy Perry or was it the Katy doll hormonally pregnant at this point Ooh. and she didn't like me at all she just 
got, she just shot what, me what, down. What did she say? Did she make eye contact? She did. She said, it's a no from me. And she like held my gaze and kind of went like this. Not even kidding. Not exaggerating. That's really dark. It's really Was dark. Was it like a dark vibe? Yeah. Was that the moment where you're like, you know what? Something's like, something's rotten in the state of Hollywood. It was weird. It, it really did break my spirit because I felt like they led me to believe I had a shot. But that's kind of the thing about Hollywood. It's a, it's a bit of an illusion. And um, I don't know. I felt, I felt like something definitely shifted that day in hindsight. I still did a few more shows after that. And then a few months later, all the venues shut down anyway. Um, so I, uh, I was looking for a new path, I suppose, and did have a passion for comedy and made a couple musical parodies i did a like if COVID 19 was a rapper video with my best friend and roommate at the time and had a lot of fun just laughing to ourselves um in the comfort of my own home the comfort of uh, our space just the comfort of lockdown what a great exactly place. well and it was cool to just be working with somebody that i really trust as a friend and not you know trying to sound like this and trying to like check all these boxes that i thought you know, would get me more Spotify playlists or whatever. It was just nice to be creating with a friend who really knows my spirit and my soul. So it was like really fun. And then, you know, I, I remember right when I put that first thing out, that first kind of high quality music video sketch and the song that I produced was, I really hope that people don't think I'm being insensitive about this. And we had a whole conversation. We're like, well, well let's talk about it. Like, what is our intention to hurt people's feelings and say, oh, we don't care if you're dying of COVID? No, we are just trying to spread light. And it wasn't? I don't know. <laughs> making, making even one tiny joke is surely evidence that you just want people to die in real life. No right? one really got, you know, too uptight or butthurt about it. So it was nice to just have fun with something and and put it out and then I kind of I kind of caught the bug. I was like I want to keep doing this and I started making more and more sketches with my friends and then um uh sooner rather than later I got connected with the Babylon Bee and told them I'm making sketches on my own. I'd love to act and they started putting me in in their sketches and then they hired me to help produce some of theirs and and it, the rest is kind of history and I feel like I'm I feel so blessed that I was able to catch the other vine because music stopped being it stopped being something that served my spirit it stopped being about me using my gifts that god gave me it's not being for god and about god a long time ago somewhere in that mix of trying to like please the tastemakers and the gatekeepers of hollywood it it became about something it, it, it just stopped being about what uh, i first intended for it to be so and you're you're talking about checking boxes i mean if you had any kind of internet presence during <clears throat> that first opening stage of the pandemic, uh, you know, BLM and sort of all the Trump stuff going around and sort of like, you know, I mean, every person who had a social media account was just like putting up the black square or the rainbow flag yeah. or whatever. Like, was, how, was, was that like a terrifying sort of <laughs> to watch people turn from just like ordinary fans into like people being consumed by this sort of uh, this mass psychosis? You know, I was in it. I was in the mass psychosis at the time. I'd say that... Um, during the whole year of 2020, especially that summer um, with the riots and everything, is when I kind of started to have that, what's the opposite of cognitive dissonance? I started to see what was happening. Resonance, I think. I cognitive guess, resonance. Cognitive resonance. So I, um, I, I actually see in my archive, my Instagram archive, I was speaking about like how I obviously am not okay with police brutality. Like who is? Who is okay with horrible images on the internet? You know, it's not something that anyone is like, yeah, like, no, of course not. But Says here the answer is corrupt cops are actually, they're, they're good with it. Okay, so. great. 
Well, I definitely felt like it was sort of annoying that every every big influencer is like, if you're white right now, you need to stop promoting yourself and you need to talk about it. It's like, this has happened a lot before and now we're doing it. Why? Because we're all on our phones and I don't know. It, that's when I started to notice things were out of whack, but I did do some posting. I didn't post the black square, but I did stand in solidarity and whatnot. Now, in hindsight, it's all, it was a media, uh, it was a PR campaign and uh, it was a successful one. And I decided somewhere along the way of all the horrible tragedies happening all across the globe that I am creating a new brand um, that's not a personal, it's not a music brand anymore, it's a comedy brand. And when people follow me, they're signing up for levity and fun and comedy that is going to probably have a message, but don't expect me to be commentating on commenting on like every everything that happens every single day because there's so much that happens and the media picks the ones that are going to trigger the most and I just can't do it anymore. I just can't. I can't even look at it anymore, let alone comment on it. Yeah, it's if there's one not. thing that you can say about the outrage machine is that it's not funny and it's not supposed to be funny. In fact, people are like really antagonistic. That's not funny. <laughs> You're not allowed to smile and laugh. Yeah. Um, is that, I mean, out of the frying pan and into the fire going from sort of that environment to the Babylon Bee where it's like all eyes are on you all the time. You know, you put out a headline and it's like millions of people sort of going at it and then Elon comes into the picture. Like, how's that rocket ride been so far? Working with a bee? Yeah. It's been really fun. It's it is it is a huge blessing to work with a extremely talented group of people and we're just laughing all day and and also just to work with people that your values align with. It's um it's an incredible blessing and I feel so lucky that I'm able to work there and work with them and create comedy. This is what I love to do. I love to to make films and to be on camera and to produce films and and have each one, have a, a message underneath. That's like, that's the best for me. And that's what was in my music too. Every single song had a message. It wasn't just like, woo, you know, party all the time. You know, each song had, I used to call it um, emotionally intelligent pop or soul, soul pop R&B. So it's nice to be able to do that with another gift of mine. And it's so, it's so fun. I, I always kind of had this like fear that if I tried, I would fail, you know, at being funny, at being a funny girl. And um, I feel like I've, I've proven to myself that I am. I am funny, damn it. A common human struggle, <laughs> fear of failure. Yeah. Uh, I want to I talk about women and being funny in, in a little bit. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, about, about the bee, like, did the clowns ever cry? Is there ever a moment when you guys are just sort of like, it's all so terrible? Like, you know, Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's quite a burden to like, to, you just confront reality like day in and day out and Absolutely. then try to find the sort of the silver lining or, or poke the hole in the beast a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say... I've ever seen anyone cry. I'm probably the only one who's cried in the office. <laughs> um, it is a lot. I think that, um, you know, when we do our podcasts, we kind of go more in depth about the issues that we're seeing and facing. Um, and you did a, a live show, right? Like yeah. first, first ever be live? Yep, in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, not too far from here. Not too far from here. And uh, we got to meet. So many incredible fans in person. I think over a thousand people came to the event. No psychos. Nobody throwing a cell phone at you or uh, no, no, no cell phone throwing. That's, going that's these another days. thing. I'm like, am I grateful or what that I jumped ship when I did? Like, I, 
I don't under, and then like there was a YouTuber years ago. She was a YouTube singer songwriter. She got shot at her own concert. It's like I don't know what it is about music um, spiritually. It feels something is off in that industry right now, and I am really, really grateful that I'm not doing that right now. And my family's very often egging me on. Well, you should do it again. You know, we have such good songs, such a good voice. Blah blah blah. I I love singing and songwriting. I just Something feels off. Like it doesn't feel like a time to, you know, be celebrating or music isn't the right medium to be fighting, fighting what's going on right now. It feels like comedy is the only thing that we should be doing to combat what's happening right now. It's, we need to be ridiculing yeah, what's it's, happening it's or we're going to lose our minds. Well, that's the, the rest of them. It is, it is really, I mean, it's punching through. It's relevant in a way that music, you know, it just, just isn't the same. I mean, you, you look at headlines. It was the sort of the biggest event coming out of, out of music over the past few years, like Astroworld, you know, like dark, bad stuff, you know. And then you look over at comedy and you're like, oh, wow, like people are, you know, people are actually just tapping back into the reality. I mean, when you, when you look at the, what the bee's doing, the Californians go to Texas. You know, this is like... It's like a heartwarming tale of like two, you know, like a couple sort of grappling with real life stuff. I mean, this is happening to like, I don't, I don't know what the number is, but it's, it's more and more people from whether it's, it's California or the East Coast or even Chicago just being like, you know, we got to get out of here and where do we go? And you go and you kind of like it, but there's culture clash. And I mean, like walk us through sort of, I mean, being a Californian, <laughs> have you been tempted? Have you, have you dipped your toe into the Texan waters? Um, Definitely, and more so through this series. Uh, the series Californians Move to Texas is such a cool thing that happened. We really hit on something because there is a mass exodus happening from California to Texas to all of the middle America states, from New York down to Florida, from, you know, there's a huge shift going on, and not just geographically, but I, I notice a lot of people are switching gears kind of in the same way I switch from music to comedy. I notice a lot of people are like, well, I didn't even like that thing anyway. I'm going to do this thing now. Um, so I think it was really cool that we hit on something that's super relevant, something that a lot of couples and a lot of families can relate to. And yeah, the culture clash, <laughs> that's the tension and that's, the, that's where the humor lies. A woke couple tries to find better terrain and they go to Texas and they're like, wait, this isn't quite right either. Um, but they end up loving it in the end. And um, yeah, it's uh, really cool. I feel like I drew so much from my character and <laughs> people often comment on my own YouTube channel. I don't know where Timpany ends and Chandler begins. And I laugh because so much of that character is just like, it is me, and um, maybe not the accent. The California accent is uh, drawn from my many influencer friends. <laughs> Just, you know, pronouncing things super weird for whatever reason that is. Um, but I don't know anything about guns. I don't really, you know, know much about Texan culture. However, I think a lot of fans believe I actually moved. And... Uh, yeah. They want you to move. Want me to move they to Texas. They want you to become timpani and move to Texas. Yeah. Uh, can you announce, I, like, what's 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 next for Californians go to Texas? There's, like, so much acclaim, like, so many eyeballs on it. People, you know, like, they're, it seems like they want more. I don't know if I can announce anything. I People definitely want more. I get messages almost every other day asking when season two is coming out. 
I believe we are working on something with. Tease it. I can't. This is the tease. This if, is the if tease. It, if it's happening, it's a tease. If it's not happening, I, I, I want it to happen so badly. I really do. And uh, I, I, think, I think something will happen. I don't think. It, we have said publicly that this is not the last you've seen of Stephen Timpany. So. Uh, that much I can say. That's a great teaser. That's a great cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about influencer life. Um, okay. You mentioned like the weird pronunciations. Yes. Like, do you see just sort of like living on social media, like doing things to people, like changing, like the way they talk, the way they want to look, like how much yes. is it creating like a new type of person? Oof. Um, yeah. Lots to unpack here. Um, I mean, just the voices, you know, like, the voices, I, I almost want thing. you to just like, like give us a taste okay. of what, what influencer voice okay. sounds like. Hey guys, good morning. I'm going for my morning walk and I'm going to like take my dog for a walk and then I'm going to like go get a matcha and like, then I'm going to get my makeup, get ready for me. <laughs> There's all these like, get ready with me. Tea. Oops, I'm touching the mic. There's all these get ready with me uh, parodies now, like. Hey guys, get ready with me to like pour a glass of water. First I pick up this glass and then I fill it. And that's it, you guys. Like and follow for more. <laughs> so calming. Yeah. So safe. Do people I, want that sort of like hypnotic sort of like escape from reality? Is that driving a lot of engagement? Yes, think? obviously. Obviously people want to escape. Just look at the movies. Everything's about time travel universe jumping, um, you know, all, all the things. Um, but you said the voice. I would say that that's the second or third thing I would think of when I think of influencer culture. It's all about the look and the filters and how we're constantly being told by the robots to, like, smooth out and bigger lips and, like, you know, wider eyes or whatever. And people are actually getting influencer face in real life. They don't even need the filter. They're overfilling their lips and they're, you know, getting all the work done. And now, and hey, I, I'm not knocking all, get, getting all the work done necessarily. However, I do think there are forces that are trying to remove our humanity and make us all look the same. Like everyone looks like a Kardashian now. And it's just like, it's just weird. We're seeing a but like in, if you visit LA, everyone has a very similar face to Kim Kardashian and Kylie Jenner and yada yada. And like, who's their inspo? Is it the aliens? Like they got like the big eyes and like the tiny chins. Yeah, like the they're mouth, removing like, the buckle fat. They're removing. They're breaking the jaw. Like creating a. I have no idea. I have no idea who their inspo is. They're the trendsetters. So who knows? L.A. No buckle fat. Texas Bucky's. Like these are <laughs> these are your choices, America. Yeah, exactly. Those are your choices. You got to pick. You have to choose. Uh, choose your poison. Uh, pick. You pick. I have. I have. Pick me. Pick me, girls. Um, one of <laughs> one of your biggest videos <laughs> is one of your shortest. Uh huh. Um, and it's about sort of like what girls be like, and it's like something to do with anxiety, right? Yes. Okay, so like, what's the story there? Because like, apparently, you know, the, it was like pretty polarizing, I guess. Like, this is what drives traffic on the internet, um, especially social media. So yeah. like, what's the story there? So the bit is a 10 second video where a girl says, "Ugh, I just don't know why I'm so anxious all the time. And then rips her vape and then drinks her iced coffee, shakes it, and then 
the camera guy's like, maybe it's the, it's like, I can't talk. I have to finish my true crime podcast. And I think the reason why it went so viral is because it's true. And everyone's like, this is me. I feel attacked. So most people actually were in favor of the videos. This is me. I didn't ask for this violence today, et cetera, et cetera. So they had a sense of humor about the comedy. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of the men, um, male viewers said, it's not just girls. It's me too. And whatnot. So I don't even know why I chose girls be like. I just think it's true that a lot of girls are like really into true crime, which is kind of ironic in and of itself. You know, you didn't you wouldn't think that women would like to hear about murder all the time. Do you buy into this like women finding like serial killers like strangely attractive thing? Like I have the never women heard who, of like, that. like no. marry criminals who are like in prison. Yeah, there's like this kind of sort of sort of like subculture of like, oh yeah, of course, you know, Stockholm what what what, what what it's sort of like women can't help but be sort bad of bad like, boys. Are, yeah, that the taken to it. It's, it's extreme. Is this since the Netflix series You came out? Like, it might be. I, I have mean, no this idea. Is maybe one of this is like the next frontier of like trending identities. That's super weird. I've never heard that before. I, I'm not a fan of horror or anything like that. Although I will say there was a time where I was, I don't know, trying to kill time. And I watched a Netflix documentary about this like really messed up story. And it was kind of like, I can't look away. Like, this is so messed up. And it it was basically, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about this, like, what's her name or who is she type of thing. This this girl, this mystery girl who had, like, a weird relationship with her dad. And then it turns out he's, like, not her dad. And he, like, kidnapped her and then, like, impregnated her and then it became her wife. It was, like, this really, really weird story. And I just, like, kind of couldn't look away. Um and yeah, I guess like that's probably the appeal of like true crime podcasts and stuff to women. And I don't know. I I uh, I I think that it's it's when you don't have to see the gore, like the make believe gore of horror films, because I can't I can't do that. I think that's really bad for our spirit, and we have to be really careful of what we allow into our psyche, not just what you eat, but what you consume. With your eyes and ears too. Yeah, we um, the, the science is definitely not in yet, or I don't know, maybe it is, but like we're just beginning to sort of grapple with how um, spending all day online affects women. I mean, is it is it like difficult for you to sort of? Sounds like you're trying to like thread the needle between. On the one hand, there's like the all women must always like and and praise and celebrate all women at all times, and then on the other side, there's like. Um, women just like judging and attacking each other on the internet all the time. Too. Oh yeah, the pick me girl thing. We didn't even get to that part. Um, yeah, a few of the comments on that video were, "This is pick me girl energy," and I'm which like, is, "Which is which is what?" Exactly? So I googled it, and it said, "Girl that acts like she's not like other girls." Like, oh, I never wear makeup. Like, oh, I'm I'm just not like other girls. I guess they could say that's accurate, you know, but people started to straight up call for, me. For the sake of like making yourself more like identifiable to men or something? To men, okay. I think, I believe. I believe that's what they're saying. And um, yeah, some people straight up called me a misogynist. You, wow. you hate women. And I'm just like, I don't hate women as a whole, but I vehemently reject the woman bot hybrid thing that's going on as in the women that are on five or more medications the women that are on birth control the women that are calling me a misogynist for 
making a funny little video trying to help people maybe look within and see what's causing their anxiety. By the way, I used to be the girl in that video, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't making a video without any experience. You know, I, I have my fair share of anxiety just like everybody else and we have to minimize that stuff. It's the scrolling on our phone while watching the movie, while vaping, you know, it's, it's the over-sensitization, over-stimulation that's creating our anxiety and uh, I want to fight that too. And, and I, yeah, I just find it really interesting that it's, uh, it's the ones that are anti-femininity that are calling me a misogynist. And I find that, find that interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that was almost like all of us during the, the lockdowns is just like kind of like multiple surrounding ourselves with devices and like trying to self-medicate. And, yeah. you know, it's just like some people just never stop doing that. I mean, that, I think that's the yeah. long, what, what real long COVID is is like you're stuck in the sort of pandemic lifestyle. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, comedy can, can pull some people out of that, but I, I, wonder, I wonder if it can reach everyone. I mean, how sad to not be able to like, to be able to appreciate comedy anymore. Yeah, and how laughter truly is medicine. And if you're not allowing yourself to laugh about anything, including you, yourself, you probably do have long COVID. You're going to stay with that until you can laugh that out of your system. I don't know. I think you're right. There are still people that are living in fear, are, are wearing the masks. They're just petrified of being sick or, or dying. And um, we're going to die, you know? <laughs> we're wait, going wait a minute. Sorry. What? Oh, sorry. <sighs> Is this that type of show? Can I... Can I say that? We're, we are all going to die. And I think it's actually really important to contemplate death. As scary as it is, it's, it's the perspective you need on a daily basis to check in and make sure you're really living. Because uh, that's what makes life beautiful is it's finite. And that's it. And some, some people believe in reincarnation and past lives and all that. And I don't know, maybe. But I, I think that it's, uh, it's better to just accept that we really only get one and life is a miracle and every day is too. So I, I recommend people just lean into it, like contemplate death more. Cause I think that when we actually address what's making us anxious, it's that we don't want to die. We don't want to die young. We don't want to die old. And if we just think about it, it, it brings things into perspective. And I think that it's actually eased my desire for fame as well. And I think that's really why I wanted to be a famous pop star and tour the world is I didn't want to die. I didn't want to like, I wanted my legacy to outlast me. But how long would that even be? 100 years, 50 years, 10 years with this attention span and the way it's going. So I'm just gonna live right now and be grateful for every blessing, every opportunity. Um, Cause I, I really, I really am, uh, I'm liking how my life is going. Well, I'm liking the idea that uh, you look to a comedian for life advice and they say, contemplate death. Like, this is, I mean, <laughs> well, you, know, you, you think about like, uh, like uh, people are already starting to forget, you know, I mean, Gordon Lightfoot or like Toto or like, you know, bands that used to be like huge and mm -hmm. now like nobody cares. The mm -hmm. Beatles, what was it, what's left of them, you know, yeah. they're like, oh, we'll just like use AI to make John Lennon just live forever. And like, that's not what music You can about. tell. You can tell that it's fake. And I was talking about this with the nice lady next to me on the airplane on my way here, um, how uh, my family, they were working musicians and in LA in their day was, every bar was full of horn sections. Imagine that, 
not just a band, but a horn section, trumpet, sax, and a trombone. And I thought about that. I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. Because it does really do something to our spirit to listen to music. And I think that's another reason why it's not going so well right now is not only have we replaced all the instruments with digital instruments, which I've used some of my own, but now we're not even writing the songs. We're letting a robot write it. It's like, you can tell though. Your spirit can tell that it's fake and it's not, it's lacking the soul. And I do want to say something about how you said a comedian is a, is a, you know, telling you to contemplate death. I think that the age of all comedians are depressed might be, I don't know. There might be fewer comedians today that are depressed. There are more healthy comics, I would say. Yeah, it's been a thing for a long time. Sort of like, you know, if you if you want to hear about how terrible life is, you go to, go to a comedian and they're just kind of like, <sighs> don't have it together. And they're sort of complaining about yeah. themselves and everyone around them. And, and like, that's where their their sense of humor comes from. And, and like, look at the greats like Robin Williams or they're actually, you know, they're actually depressed underneath it all or George Carlin. And it's like, that's so sad. And I think that maybe those comedians are... I don't know, in some dark, twisted way. They are they are the greats. Um, but I do think there is like an uptick in people who are really funny and they take really good care of themselves because they wanna they wanna keep doing it. So. You think that's kind of the influence of like funny, funny ladies? I mean, you look at all those Maybe. all those classic comics and how how captivating they were and why people loved them. I mean, in a lot of cases, you're right. It was just like guys who felt really bad about themselves, like trying to find mm-hmm. a way Self-deprecating. To, like, to make it in the world. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, the humor was sort of like, I mean, to this day, you know, people are like, oh, women aren't funny. And it's like, why not? And I was like, well, because like watching a woman like insult herself is like really quite sad mm-hmm. whereas watching a man insult himself is like hilarious like everyone loves that yeah. right is that kind of what's starting to shift i think that that's a really good point just the same way when you drive by a homeless encampment you're like i don't i can't even look but when you see a woman a homeless woman it's like oh no girl what happened you know women are supposed to be elevated protected and uh, in a way, superior, you know? Women would make men dance, you know? And like even the female birds are making the male birds dance to get their attention. And that's the beautiful dynamic between men and women. And it should be protected. So that's a really good point. I think that women that are feminine women, because there are some like lesbian butch comics and they're kind of leaning into that self-deprecating thing. And it is funny. And it's, it's very interesting. It's that energy. Um, so Even yeah. just looking like a man makes it easier for you to bag on yourself and get laughs, right? Yeah. So I think that that's probably why people say women aren't funny, um, because it's it's harder to laugh at a woman, and it's harder to laugh at a woman that you're supposed to be like, wait, you're like the protected sex, and you're the protected gender, and I'm supposed to like really respect you and things like that. However, I do think that that. Look at Lucille Ball. I mean, she was hysterical. However, that was self-deprecating. It was like, ah, oh, she was always the butt of the joke. She was always getting crafted on. And, um, it was a very physical comedy, Very too, physical. Though. Very physical. And that's still extremely rare. Yeah. Not a lot of physical comics out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we, we talked about the ladies uh, on the internet a little bit. Let's talk about the guys. Let's talk about the boys. Okay. Uh, what is happening to, like boys on the internet are you concerned are you, you hopeful mean. uh i mean well you know okay i uh, 
I will admit that uh, I was reading uh, Babylon Bee headlines, as, as so many people do. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing that I like about you guys, and I think a lot of people like, is, um, you know, it's not just sort of like relentlessly, like ridiculing the left or the woke. I mean, obviously, fearlessly, yeah. we'll go there. And it's like always a good, a good chuckle. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you'll go after like people who are just like in the news and sort of like ripe targets of opportunity like or ourselves low, low or people on the right or yeah. people like within our own community and it gets people mad it's like wait these are you're making fun of the wrong people like that's the b though well, it's so, supposed so, to be a fake news outlet to the to the point um i'm gonna read a headline right now okay newly announced sequel sound of freedom 2 features jim caviezel going after andrew tate How'd that one go over? Uh, apparently, it was a controversial subject. I'm yeah, a little bit removed. He's, got, he's a divisive figure. I'm a yeah. little bit removed from the whole Andrew Tate thing. Um, I think the first time I heard about him was when he was getting like arrested or deported. I don't even know what happened to him. He was, oh, he's running away. He's in Russia or something. Oh, no, he's, I don't know. I have no idea. I've got no dog in that fight. Um, however, I do think that some men, um, so a lot of them are my friends, that consider them just themselves to be masculine men felt a little bit of offense because it's like, wait, we don't have any figures. We don't have any figures of true masculine men out there. So I think they felt a little bit offended by that. Like, B, why are you going after like one of our only dudes? It's like, I don't know, maybe because he's a piece of poop. Ooh, them's fighting words. He is. I'm sorry. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, again, I only know reputation. I haven't heard anything myself. But if you're, I'm sensing some. I'm sensing some negative energies coming from that one, and I just think we need we need more uh, more powerful figures of masculine men. Elon's a good example, but he should really just pick one lady. He's got he's got a lot going on, um, and uh, you know, I mean, Andrew Tate. Like, I understand it. I get it. Like, in a world where uh, a, a a boy is is basically taught, like, well, you can't be a priest because they're molesters and mm. you can't be a soldier because they kill brown people and you can't be a politician because they oppress they're lizard people the, right they're they're lizard people you can't be a ceo because they're just greedy taking the money away from the poor you can't you know do anything there's no path for you that leads to being like a good man a man who is competent and excellent and strong and courageous right. and um, but the path to being a beta male is wide open, my friend. Millions. Taylor Swift tickets and the t-shirts to match. Yeah. Just low T count this way. You don't even have to be a rock star to put paint on your fingernails, which you know, for me, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> speaking as someone who you know who did play shows in LA myself and who watched the music scene sort of veer in. You know, like a, a direction that was not, not became less and less interested in this kind of performative role that a man who didn't feel like he wanted to be a soldier or a priest or uh, a CEO could still, you could still be like a rock star and still be like masculine. Um, and now all this is, is sort of melting away. And so what do you have? You have, you have, you have online influencer, you have OnlyFans pimp, you have... You know, like like a celebrity Muslim convert. I mean, this is kind of the the soup that Andrew Tate and his brother are in, where it's like you know the the big watches and like the MMA and like 
all having like all of like the hoes in the in the in, on the gram. This is giving me a lot of context for why people root for Andrew Tate so much. It's like right. he's a rebel. He's a rebel with the cause. He's and, a rebel, but and, it's like self-discipline and like his, his situation with his, with his father. Surprise, surprise, is like not maybe ideal. And he's he's trying to which project is relatable for a it lot is, of young it men. Is. And so I understand like why there's a phenomenon. He like uh, Tucker Carlson just like interviewed like Andrew Tate. Whoa. There's a whole drama about Romania and like being kind of arrested with his brother and sort of not. And like, is he sex trafficking? Is he not sex trafficking? Um, the whole like Islam thing. And I don't I don't know about that. That was a little bit like, come on, he's not. But that's the joke of the headline. Well, it is the joke of the headline. <laughs> it's but like it's, we're making fun of the fact that like people will. Like the media and the left, they were they're going to look for any little thing anyone who's having any kind of attention or success on the right is, and just like crush them with it. You know, that's that's what the joke is. So it's not funny if you have to explain it, people. Come no, on. but it's totally figured. I mean, he's a household <laughs> name now at this point, yeah, almost, which is, is really it's. I mean, not since I don't know, like Alex Jones has some guy just sort of like built up and and yeah. burst through. But you know, for me, I gotta Ugh. say, it's like. There's these are our, these are our men. These are our representatives. Alex Jones, who I love, but come on, come on, Andrew Tate. Can we please get some volunteers? We are open. We are open. We need, some, but like, how? How do you break through without being controversial? Without being an a hole? Without saying super inflammatory things? That's what the algorithm pushes up. Well, and without, you know, excuse me, without being a douche. I mean, like, it's painful <laughs> to me to see so many men, like, trying to find their way in a world where there's, like, a conspiracy against masculinity, against Absolutely. really, like, fruitful masculinity. And they're like, well, do I become a watch guy or do I become a lift bro? Or, like, and yes, you know, like, work out, please. And, like, yes, you know, you want to, like, have the, the whatever... You know, I don't even know the names of the watches. Like, I'm not here to like <laughs> Rolex. I'm not here to like like yeah. bag on you for having the watch or whatever. But it becomes this kind of like struggle to perform this certain kind of thing. Like, oh yeah, like I'm the kind of guy who wears loafers with no socks. And again, like not a problem, but not an identity. And yeah. that kind of like douchey, overdone club guy squatting in front of the Lambo, whatever, it's becoming a caricature. It's becoming yeah. a, it's becoming clownish, but not trying to be funny. We're trying to be very serious about something that's as performative and clownish as like what you guys are doing. And to see like that go all the way into the direction of like the rebel Andrew Tate. And he's like out there with his, you know, using his like his, his, number two clipper to like get the beard to look perfect i like having a nice beard too i get it i get it i get it but like i don't know this i, I can see how these forces are like moving yes guys in a direction that is ultimately not real the and forces it's, it's, the, it's the it's the artificiality of it and then when you have like an internet situation and like an online situation where as you said the girls are being like conveyor belted toward this like artificial alien face thing and, and a lot of the boys are being conveyor belted toward this andrew tate thing Ooh, that's interesting. I wouldn't say that they're being, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that there aren't a lot of examples uh, or paths, you know, because you're saying, oh, yeah, we talked about the ladies. I'm like, yeah, so I'm hearing that the path is either Andrew Tate or like he's the Kylie, Taylor Swift. He's like Kylie for guys. Taylor Swift fan, front row, bestie, but not gay, or maybe, I don't know, at low T count, you know, bro, because you can't be masculine in the world that we're creating. But for women, it's not really like we have like this wide path of, of options either it's either like you know activist be activist for women or 
Um, you know, even, even, you know, the future is female. That didn't even happen though. It's like that got erased so quickly from men in dresses. So even just like the Jonah Hill controversy that's like oh going around now. There I mean, are forces is what I was trying to say to agree with you. There are forces that are, that are trying to erase masculinity and have this weird forced, uh, prescription femininity, which is not the same thing because you're I think femininity is about being in touch with your intuition and your spirit and if you're on medication too many then you're not able to do that and yeah it is unfortunate that there aren't enough um examples or representatives and and uh what what AI what algorithm would allow a good example you know you have to be more powerful than the algorithm to break through like uh and be a billionaire or something like that yeah, that's the real work. Um, let's let's go back to comedy. Uh, that was uh, it's a little dark there for a minute, but that's okay because it's real. <laughs> um, what's the future of comedy? Like, what's going on in LA? Is it like Hollywood seems to be sort of sort of dead or struggling? Not not very cool anymore. Certainly not as glamorous as it used to be. Um, is there like an LA comedy scene, like underground scene of like people comics who people should know about and don't? Well, there are still shows happening constantly. And just because I'm kind of out of the entertainment, the live night, the, the nightlife entertainment scene in L.A. doesn't mean it's not happening, you know, um, especially in comedy. And I have some very talented friends out there. Uh, my friend Fonto is a hilarious comic. Josh Shakespeare, Max Kestenbaum. These are friends of mine that I align with value-wise, and they still kind of keep this, like, normal 90s energy alive and, and they're called offensive comics so i don't think they're offensive at all it's like that's what you go to a comedy show for also i will say that that whole like you can't say that there's nothing funny about this that's the internet that's not real life and when you go out to a live show most people are just like willing to like oh oh no oh no you didn't just say that oh my goodness i oh, got all flustered that's that's the beauty of it. So people That's are, really interesting. Like yeah. in person, it's a lot yeah. easier to laugh. Absolutely. And then, I mean, there's probably always like that, yeah, one, hecklers, yeah. that one heckler. Yeah. Um, what counts as, as offensive in like, in like, like uh, uh, offensive comedy? Like, do you have an example of like, like something that you've heard where it was like uh, unbelievable that they said it? Offensive then, to me? Well, just offensive to like, you know, that was perceived as being crossing a line. I guess I saw uh, Jamie Kennedy recently and he uh, he was talking about uh, about OnlyFans. He was making fun of OnlyFans. And every every time he shares little clips where he does this bit, like there are hecklers, female hecklers, like what's wrong with OnlyFans? And he's like, tell me you have OnlyFans without telling me you have OnlyFans. And everyone goes, oh, and then they get all mad. They storm out. He goes, it's a comedy show. It's a comedy show. So funny. Um, he his his whole bit is about saying like, why do you want to call it uh, sex work? It's not. It's where's the work? <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, I guess you know saying um, you know making fun of trans people. That's obviously offensive because they're a marginalized community and whatnot. And I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like when I was younger, I had friends in the music scene and in the nightlife in Hollywood. Hollywood's an eclectic place, and I was like, I would consider myself pretty liberal, you know, even growing up in a in a pretty uh, conservative Catholic household, I have like, you know, I have those values, but I was also like, you know, let's be kind to everyone. And when I'm out and about, I wanna just have respect for people. Hi, how are you? And, and just see how we get along. And it never really bothered me back then. And 
even some colleagues of my parents in the music, you know, the big band studios and stuff. They had they had trans friends and whatnot. It was never a big deal. So were your parents conservative musicians undercover? Uh, a bit. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And they um. Do they survive? They haven't been canceled yet. Um, they had a little bit of a cancel thing before cancel culture ever existed. Um, and uh, they were definitely discriminated against for being known as conservative. So that was kind of painful to watch. And I was like, guys, just stop posting your political opinions on Facebook. That was my 18-year-old advice to them <laughs> before I got into it. I had, I'd had my opinions about elections and whatnot even before I could vote. Um, but I noticed that they were getting themselves into a lot of trouble on Facebook. But I think that's just like a boomer thing. They're like, I posted my opinion on Facebook and now I'm having to argue with people about my opinion. It's like, well, that's the internet. And they're kind of like discovering the power of the internet as if it's like fire. It's like, oh my goodness, like I can interact with people and like, but they get so upset and it feels like real life, you know? And that's, and I think that's the thing about the internet. It feels like a permanent record. When someone's mean on the internet, it feels like real life. It's a simulation of real life. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we got a little, we've covered a lot of ground there, but uh, what was your question? Future comedy. Oh, yeah. What is it? I mean, okay. is it just going to be like like uh, like viral vids that are like funny forever? Like, I have, where, how, I have how long is this wave going to ride? I have no idea. Internet is an amplifier, you know, of and it's reaching people and it's a scene and it's kind of somewhat replacing the or I don't know. We're kind of having like a reallocation of attention and eyes from TV and streaming and now it's the internet it's kind of all over the place instead of just the tv or just the movie theater so i think we're still kind of just seeing how it's all going to pan out think movies are going to get better i do are I'm they already, getting better now I, do you, anything am, you like out there yes um uh let's talk about movies in a sec but i will say that the comedy is a medium i don't think it will ever go away because it's lasted through centuries it's just one of those things that will always be and I just think it's such a powerful medium right now to to fight back I think it's one of the few things that we can use to change minds because people laugh before they know why they're laughing and people's guards are down when there's a sense of humor present you know people are like oh like oh, I'm always down to laugh and then they're like oh, oh am I a bigot because I laughed at that wait no no I'm not a bigot so like what so what is this then what is this? Curiosity is born, or present is, or comedy is present, so it's nice. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know, I would love to make some comedy movies. I would love to be a part of some comedy films, not just internet sketch, but series, sitcoms, and feature films. I would love to be a part of that next generation wave, because I grew up with like Dodgeball, which I believe is like one of the best comedies ever made. It's just one of those silly, incredible pacing, super quotable films. And I think comedies just really are suffering, you know, in the last decade or so. And uh, it's just not not having that same like soulful richness that it had in the 90s and the early 2000s. So um, was there a peak like a like peak comedy before it all started to go wrong for you? I don't know. I just feel like it was like there were so many great films. It wasn't just comedy. There were great films all the time until, you know, mid-2000s, I would say. Maybe maybe in the 2010s, things started to just be like, what is, what is this? 
This is 40. People you know? started to have these things called smartphones. They're looking at all the time. Dude. They forgot how to be funny or how well, to appreciate that, humor. You know, that, I think you're right. I think that the iPhone ruined everything. I think it's, it's really sad. But when I think about that, it's like, well, what, what can we do now? It's over. Like, we're going to have iPhones forever. Forever. No, we'll put them in our heads. It'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. That'll that'll definitely improve arts and culture. Yeah, no, I, I really wish that we could go back. Um, as much as I use my iPhone for so many different things, it's made my life easier. Social life, relationships will never be the same. Do you, guys, do you talk how, to your neighbors? I mean, yeah. I only talk to, like, I have so many friends, but they're in different places. So in a way, there's like a blessing and a curse to all of it. The internet is allowing people to have Livings, you can have a living. And I was gonna say that when you mentioned boys, they don't have a path. Well, they can make internet money. They can do video game testing. They can start a YouTube channel. They can do all these things. They can make internet money. They can do consulting and all these things. But it's weird because you're not really like living side by side with humans working in an office. You know, you're not living a physical experience as much as you are a virtual experience. However, like maybe it's kind of a cool thing that people can work from wherever in the world and they don't have to be landlocked and, and stuck to one office and one um, plane. So it's a blessing and a curse, you know? I think we have to, we have to decide what we want and um, choose your own adventure. Yeah, I think it was, it was really, really extra harsh uh, when the, the crypto bubble burst or, or was prematurely unnaturally burst depending on who you talk to i mean for a lot of young men specifically this was more or less their only viable shot at getting some real money while they were young and when that got taken off the table you know that just pumps what what exactly crypto like oh. you know the guys were you know they're like oh let's do this like to the moon and they yeah. they, they got some money yeah. together, they put it in there and then it was up 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 and then it was gone and that just feeds the beast of like, you know, the, whether it's the Andrew Tate or whoever, where, you know, they look at these guys and like, oh, it's like he's a superhero or like a, a Greek god because he didn't get sort of just zeroed out, you know? And it's, I don't know. Do it's you rough. think that now my conspiracy, my tinfoil hat is, is like coming on. Oh, do, do you think that uh, the iPhone was created post 9-11 surveillance vibes like do you think that they were like okay guys we have to come up with a product that everyone will want to buy so we can just have surveillance of everybody all at once do you think that's what the iphone is because if you think about it like it is surveillance well and like just, where you just, are in a surveillance state just the start really um and hmm. this is this has been going on for a long time i mean you know you 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 look at what the patriot act enabled and you look at what started to happen long before you know edward snowden or whoever else came along and and leaked the files um it people forget it was a shock it was a stunning shock to discover that well you know you're not having private phone conversations your you know your files your pics like it's kind of all just being sucked up. And yeah, there were, oh, well, no, we're, we're only going to look if we have suspicion, but there's like a secret court and whatever. And it was such a shock. And at the same time, it was like, people aren't going to be like, oh, well, now I have to throw away my cell phone and go back to like, yeah, no, no, it wasn't. It's very funny to say happen. it's a shock because like, that's kind of how it was with the pandemic too. We're like shocked that we have to like 
put up with this like crazy, these crazy rules, especially in Los Angeles, which they really mess with us out there. And, you know, I'm just so happy to not be in that reality anymore. But then I'll think about it once in a while to come back and I'm like, that was unbelievable. And it was a shock. And, and we do so easily forget. I think that's one of the most toxic things about our relationship with our, with our government is we can't do anything about it. We can't break out of this messed up relationship. They're not treating us right. This is not okay. But at the same time, we're kind of like stuck in the rat race. We're stuck on the hamster wheel and we can't really deal with it anymore. You know, you can't live in, you can't actually think about the reality like, oh my gosh, I am in an abusive relationship with my government. They do not value me as a human. They want to control me and keep me down. You can't actually have that in the forefront of your, of your, you know, intention for the day, or you will actually just want to jump off a building. So I think that's why we forget about things like they're, I can't believe this. This is bull crap. They can't, you know, listen in on our conversations. That's ridiculous. So anyway, how lovely weather we're having, you know, got to get to work. I'm running late. Ah, cheerio, you know? So what do you do? How do you break out of the, how do you break out of the Stockholm syndrome? How do you break out of the toxic relationship other than move? But we root for America. We say we love America and I do love this country. It's like, it's turning into a three-headed monster or more. Which head do you cut off? Or do you just kill the whole beast and start over? Maybe things just have to get that bad in order for people to remember that it's fundamentally it a spiritual situation. But it, but the thing is, it gets worse and worse, and and we still are just like that's insane. So it's like the it's like the frog in the boiling pot of water. But we're forgetting so easily because we have to live. We have to remember that we do have some control over our life and our reality. And we do get to choose how we spend our days, and we have personal responsibility. And then that's my philosophy. It's like, what are you doing? What are you watching? What are you eating? What, you know, how are you breathing? And that is, that can change your whole life. Just those things. However, I'm not denying that it's bad. You know, it's bad and it's, and it's slowly getting worse. And we do not live in the same country that our parents lived in. And they do not live in the same country that their parents lived in if they were here at that point. So what do you do? Are elections ever going to be real again? Or are we just going to be perpetually gaslit by the government and media for the rest of America's days? Maybe that's the real value of comedy right now is to just kind of like break that circuit, break the circuit, the cycle of distraction, the cycle of passivity, the cycle of feeling like, oh, we know how this goes. Like the script is already written for us. Maybe just like, you know, giving people that moment where they are surprised or they do have a reaction that they haven't controlled or thought about where they're being sort of brought back down to ground. Yeah, sanity affirmation. That's that's a good brand. That's uh, rising, rising stock, sanity affirmation. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, whether it's uh, Instagram or the B or whatever you got. Well, I have my own YouTube channel, Chandler Juliet, youtube.com slash Chandler Juliet, and I am on Instagram. Chandler J Official is my current username but if you search my name you'll find me and uh, I am on the Babylon Bee sketches and you can see me on their YouTube channel so yeah and thank you for having me thank you for coming on it's it's time to laugh again yes is yes it not? And that is literally all the time that we have mm. at least until next time if you found this conversation meaningful deeply meaningful please 
consider becoming a Blaze TV subscriber to help us create more delicious content just like this. Go to blazetv.com and use the code ZeroHour20, that's Z-E-R-O-H-O-U-R-2-0 for $20 off your first year of Blaze TV. This is Zero Hour. I am James Polis. May God have mercy on us all.